Well, Justin, it is great to sit down with you to chat on the podcast today. Um, for those of you who maybe aren't familiar with all that we do or who you are, wanted to make sure to introduce you. You're our missions pastor. You oversee all sorts of things when it comes to global missions, working with kingdom builders. Could you talk a little bit about who you are, what your role is, and then we'll dive in. Sure. Thanks, uh, Logan. It's an honor to be on this and to talk church and uh, talk about missions, which is a passion in my heart since I was a little kid. Uh, been a part of the church for a little bit over fifteen or fourteen years now, and um, uh, yeah, I've, I'm married. I have three little kids, ten, eight, and two. A handful, but uh, mm-hmm. so much joy uh, is added to our life because of them. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's my family. Married for fifteen years. Um, three little kids. Love our church. Love our global heart. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy to think we met. I think it was on a plane to China. I don't know. I think I was seven years old, and to see what's happened for those who are listening, like that means nothing to us. But it's just cool to see how church and family and being together for so long is is just a part of the DNA of our church. And you know, when when people talk about River Valley and they talk about our global heart, what I mean, what comes to mind for you? Obviously, in my dad and in his his heartbeat. He majored in missions in college. He got his call in the Amazon jungle basin in Brazil. So there's so much about our church that is global. But when people say, okay, what does that practically mean? What does that look like to be a church that has a global heart? What are some things that you can describe to people about what our, our global heart looks like in our church? Yeah. You mentioned China, seven years old, meeting on the plane, if I'm not mistaken. I think you might've gotten lost for a few moments yeah. uh, on that trip that uh, caused a little panic in yep. your in your grandma and your parents. Uh, she thankfully. still punches me to this day. She's like, you got, that's for getting lost in China and scaring me. I'm like, I was seven. Yeah, no, but it was actually on that trip that uh, I sat in a, in a hotel room uh, with your dad and just listened to his heart, his passion uh, for the church, for River Valley at the time, it was a few hundred people, but but the heart for the world and those that never heard the gospel was evident. And he was just dreaming out loud. You know, you know your dad, he's a visionary dreamer, uh, great quality about him. And he just dreamed about one day the church mobilizing missionaries all around the world, giving away hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars, uh, teams crisscrossing the globe. and uh, And so now to get to see what it is doing. Literally teams pre-COVID every single week were going out somewhere around the world to uh, partner with our missionaries, uh, some 950 missionaries that are supported every single month through uh, the first 10% that comes into the church we set aside to support long-term missionaries over a long period of time. And uh, But we don't stop there with our generosity. We look for ways to be generous on top of that. So in addition to the monthly support that these missionaries uh, need and and help sustain them in the work that God has called them to. Uh, we look for ways to accelerate that through kingdom builders, through projects or coming alongside organizations and uh, just providing fuel and resource uh, for the vision and mission. Uh, and then a number of years ago, uh, this idea to raise up and send out 500 missionaries. There's a whole story that goes behind that. I think there's been some videos that have been uh uh, gone into much more detail about why 500. Uh, but this idea is, say, could God raise up 500 individuals, couples, families from River Valley Church to go overseas for at least a year, pray about a lifetime, 
And, uh, and so there's lots of different ways people can engage at River Valley with this uh, Great Commission heart that we all have a part to, uh, to play in this Great Commission. Jesus' last words to his disciples, not to a, group of, uh, to a group of missionaries, but to his followers, people that identified uh, and said, I want to follow the ways and the teachings and the life of Jesus Christ. His last words to them were, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we all have a part to play. It's not just either I'm a missionary or I'm on the sidelines. No, there's a place for me. And uh, and so pre-COVID, it was teams going all over the place. And, and we still are now starting to send teams again. Uh, but, but we've innovated this thing uh, called virtual global teams, uh, which... I was super skeptical and I yeah, came I up mean, with the idea, but I was super skeptical. I remember when I heard about that and, and I'm sure there's people listening right now and they're saying the whole point of a mission trip, you know, for, for, for us, we call them global teams. And, and maybe before you, we talk about the virtual teams, you can even talk about why we call it that. Cause I think a lot of times people ask, why do you call them global teams versus mission trips? Because I think a lot of churches would use that terminology, but when even hearing that it's like, okay, isn't the purpose of a mission trip or a global team to go somewhere versus staying. Um, but I think our goals have maybe even changed or we've learned a little bit from that. But, but before you talk about virtual teams, talk about why we call it a global team versus a mission trip. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's an important question. Uh, a number of years ago, probably about 14 years ago, when I initially came onto the team and, and you know, Pastor Rob's heart was, and I want everyone to be involved in this. And so I just started asking random people, what is missions to you? Um, missions really in our culture has become anything and everything. There's a great book called When Everything is Missions. Hmm. Uh, really nothing becomes missions because everything and anything is missions. It's a great, great book uh, called When Everything is Missions. There's a second edition called Conversations on When Everything is Missions. Really great re- uh, read, recommend it to any pastor, any leader, uh, that has uh, a desire to be strategic in their missions efforts. But uh, I would ask people, what is missions to you? And people's response was all over the map. Some would be like, well, I think that's what people do for two years. Maybe that's like with another religion or something, or maybe it's a soup kitchen downtown, or a mission is something that the military participates in. Very few actually defined it in the way that Jesus said, taking this gospel to the ends of the earth, to where the where the gospel has not been preached. And so he said, we just have to change the language a little bit to, to get people to ask, what is that? Uh, and so we just said, we're going to call missions global project. This is our project as a follower of Christ to care about the whole world. So it's our global project. Out of that came global teams. And, and I like the idea of a team versus just a trip. A trip can almost sound like a vacation, but a team uh, has connotations of, of community and relationship. And that's what we found is people come away with incredible relationships, bonds that are for a lifetime. Some of our best friends in this church are people that we went on a missions trip with or a global team uh, with many, many, many years ago, probably 12, 13 years ago. And now we do life. We've had kids you know, and our kids are in school together and play together. And so I think that team concept is is not a, um, a minor thing or a semantic thing. I think it's important. And so that's why we call them global teams to just get people to ask, what's, what's that about? Yeah. And I also think the thing that I've noticed about global teams is 
you know, and, and we use the term global because it encapsulates the globe, but some of our global teams are domestic. They are, you know, local. There's a global team Minneapolis right here where we have a team that right. dedicates days of their, you know, week. It's, it's setting the time aside to serve our community here, but it's going to Iowa, going to LA. But a lot of our teams are in places that are around the world that are not maybe even your typical mission trip destinations to where we still sell, send teams to Central and South America. But a lot of our teams, you know, I've noticed are very relational focused in places that are, you know, in that 1040 window, the hard reach. I know you have a huge passion for that area of the world, um, but it's going and experiencing. And so I think another reason that we've seen global teams has been effective is it's not, when you say mission trip, people, maybe they went on a mission trip as a kid and they say, with my church, we did this as a mission trip. This is what you do on a mission trip. Well, sometimes when you go to Turkey or you go to Cairo, Egypt, which I'm about to go to in November, like if you go, it, it's a different type of trip. You're not doing kids programs. You're not yeah. maybe doing the feeding things that you would like we would in Eswatini or we would in other places. We still do those, but not every trip looks the same. It's not a one size fits all. And I think that's been cool. And I'd even for, for missions pastors or, or lead pastors listening that say, we want to send out teams, but it doesn't fit the criteria of a mission trip. It doesn't mean you shouldn't send people around the world because yeah. telling people about Jesus in a coffee shop in Japan or in Turkey is still living on mission. And I right. think that's been a cool distinction. Yeah, no, I think that's a good, a good point to make Logan. A lot of our global teams, it's not a project. We're not going to accomplish uh, a project. We're going to build relationships and walk alongside these missionaries. And in a lot of places that you uh, just mentioned are places where the very, very small percentage of the population has ever heard that Jesus loves them. They'd be considered unreached, that no one has reached them, no one has told them. And so to be able to sit in a coffee shop and through uh, a translator, have a conversation about life and um you know, what matters to you and then weave in the gospel, this good news that Jesus Christ loves them, gave his life for them. And to realize that the person sitting on the other side of this conversation, it's the first time in their life that they'll have ever heard this message, this good news. It's yeah. mind blowing as a pastor's kid that grew up never not knowing about it to realize that there are still people that don't know about. It. In fact, 42% of the world is still waiting to hear that Jesus loves them. 7,000 people groups. And uh, it's it's not a project. These are people that have been made in the image of God. He loves them dearly, gave his life for them. And uh, and so to be able to come alongside our missionaries and uh, go to places that maybe are considered hard or dangerous, um, it's it's really an honor. And, uh, and this whole COVID thing has really uh, created some challenges, but it's yeah. also created some real innovation. And you mentioned these virtual teams. So early on, just started thinking and we're having some great conversations with some of our missionaries overseas who chose to stay there in spite of the uncertainty and the danger uh, that, that seemed like it was uh, coming. Uh, they said, we're not leaving, we're staying. And so I was having these conversations and, and thinking in my mind, I wish the whole church could hear this right now. Just some of the resilience and some of the persistence and passion of these missionary partners and uh, I said, well, why can't we? Let's call it a virtual team and get a group of people to come with Tara and I on a, on a virtual trip. And so the first one we did was to, uh, to Saudi Arabia and to Iraq. These are not places most people are going to sign up to go. Yeah. So it's like, well, we may have a chance to get some people to open up their eyes and hearts to a place that maybe they wouldn't sign up to physically go, 
but through the security and safety of a screen, obviously taking certain things into account because we want to uh, make sure that, that our missionary partners are not uh, unduly exposed to, to any kind of security breaches. And so go through the protocol call of all that. But we did this virtual team and we took about 20 people with us uh, virtually through Zoom, Saudi Arabia, and then into Iraq. And at the end of it, there was a lady on the trip that had been on 16 missions trips before, not not with River Valley, but growing up as a kid and and uh, had been on 16 trips, and we were just asking for some feedback. Was this valuable? Was this worthwhile or not? And her response was, this was the best trip I've ever been on. Hmm. And I said, that's very kind of you, very complimentary. Uh, and, and, and I think she was trying to be affirming, but um, I said, well, why would you say that? Because yeah. there's, there's a lot of dynamics that we didn't get to experience in this uh, that you just don't get virtually. And, uh, and she said, well, I enjoy the adventure of travel. I like the hotels. And, but being honest, sometimes you get stuck with a roommate that you don't always love. Uh, sometimes the food upsets your stomach and there's some downsides to it. She said, but the part that I loved the most was that for three hours a day, I got to hear the heart of the missionary explain uh, God's plan for their life, how he brought them to this point, their missiology, how they do what they do, uh, Q&A environment. She says, I really understood missions in a way that I've never understood it before. And this type of uh, uh, environment allowed that. Whereas on a trip, you can be distracted with a lot of other things that are necessary, like the travel and the eating and the hotels and all that. And so it opened my eyes up to the reality that as a missions pastor, I get to have some amazing conversations with our missionary partners, but not everyone gets that opportunity. Totally. But these virtual teams just opened up to 30 people, and now we've had hundreds of people go, and the feedback we're getting is way better than what we expected. Yeah. And I think it's something that we're going to continue to do even beyond uh, the limitations that we currently have. Yeah, I think that's what, what's so interesting and why we wanted to have this conversation is encouraging people to think outside of what you are able to do, because I think we've maybe as an American church specifically, but maybe there's those listening around the world as well, that we've just kind of been able to do what we've always wanted to do. If we go to another country, I mean, the U S passport can get a visa pretty much anywhere. And it's just, we can go anywhere. Like that's, it's, it's a freedom that we've had throughout most of our life that now all of a sudden with COVID restrictions and, you know, even 18, 19 months, however long it's been since, you know, canceling our first mission trip, which I remember, you know, when we we're like, okay, the global team's not going, how many t- trips do we cancel? The youth, you know, it was just, it was chaos. We're like maybe a month. And, you know, <laughs> to think about that in hindsight is crazy. Um, but, but I think for a lot of people, it's like, okay, now we just have to stop because there's restrictions. It's, I have to stop. But you look back at the early church and you look back at all the restrictions that they had on, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to get killed or I'm going to get thrown out of town or all these things. I think it's sobering the American church to realize, oh, we've taken maybe it for granted that we've been able to do whatever we want to do, have money to do it or go different places. And what I think the fear is that you and I were talking about earlier is we don't want people to use that as an excuse to stop right. loving the world and stop being missional. And churches yeah. that maybe were super missions focused pre-COVID are saying, ah, well, maybe God's shifted our call to be less focused on missions. And just because you're focused on missions doesn't mean you have to abandon the local church that God has called you to. But I think 
there are people right now that are maybe grappling with, uh, was that something that we did? Like, I don't want to jump through the hoops. I don't want to, you know, send people into places where, you know, there's COVID testing requirements or vaccine requirements or, you know, fill in the blank issues that I don't even want to deal with it. But for us, it's like, we can't not do that. That's our DNA. And so what would be your encouragement to someone who maybe they're feeling that right now to, I just don't know if I want to jump through the hoops to, to do those types of things. Yeah, no, I think the command that Christ gave us to go into all the world still remains. And this isn't a surprise to him, uh, but uh, we're going to have to get more creative. We're going to have to have a greater resolve. Um, We don't know the twists and turns that are ahead, um, but we know that our command is still to go into all the world. And when there's people that have still never heard, um, it has to be taken seriously and we have to do something about it. But I'm, I'm incredibly optimistic. Um, I remember early on in the in pandemic, we had to shut down the church, uh, you know, in-person services. We didn't shut down the church, but in-person <laughs> church services. Church is alive. Yeah. Church is still alive. Um, but uh, I remember thinking, you know, this is not the first time we've had a global crisis. And so I just started to do a little bit of homework and study of the history of, of, of global crisis and the effect on global missions and so I reached out to one of our partner organizations that's uh, over a hundred year history. Um, and I said, I wonder what happened um, during the Great Depression and then what happened following the Great Depression, both in resources, the money, and in the resources of people willing to say, Lord, here am I, send me. And so I asked them if they had the data from the Great Depression. So I looked at the period of time in history that was the Great Depression and then in the decade that followed. And what we found was that during the Great Depression, the the number of missionaries that had to come home, uh, it did dip about 10%. Um, but money actually went up about 10%. Mm-hmm. So people were willing to still give and double down on their uh, generosity because it mattered to them. And it wasn't just a, out of an abundance, but out of a conviction that said, I'm still doing this. Whether I have a lot or not, I'm still going to give to this. So we saw that. But what was so interesting to me is following the Great Depression, the, uh, the number of people that are willing to go and lay down everything to take the gospel uh, just skyrocketed. Wow. I think it was like 70 or 80% increase with this one organization. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and I started to think about that. Why would that be? And I think it was because a lot of people started to evaluate the priorities of their life and say, I thought I had a career mapped out. I thought I knew what God's plan for my life is. And that got completely disrupted. And so they just hit their knees and said, Lord, what's your plans for my life? And he showed them a bigger, grander plan for their life. And so you saw that. And then in giving, that went through the roof. That went up, I think, about 180% the decade that followed the Great Depression. And again, similarly, I think a lot of people said, I, I thought I was investing in a no-lose stock. I thought I invested in a company that was rock solid, but it went up in flames. Mm. And, uh, and so there, I think a lot of people just said, I want to invest in things that, that scripture tells me that is not going to lose its reward. Even a cup of cold water won't lose its reward. So I'm going to put more of my resources in things that I know are certain to, uh, to re- re- receive an eternal reward. And so... I'm extremely optimistic. We've seen that in our own church, that as we've continued to remain focused and prioritize the Great Commission and missions, um, 
our giving is going up. Yeah. Actually, it's one of our best missions giving years we've ever had in the history of the church, uh, which is unbelievable. And our missionary partners are doubling down saying, I'm not quitting when it gets tough. Uh, we have had some that have had to come off the field for various reasons, but a lot of them, it's just uh, made their resolve that much greater um, and their conviction. And just, it's it's an honor to get to walk alongside of them and help them. And I think God is going to raise up many, many more. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think that for people listening, I mean, there are certain things where it's like, oh, I want to run through a wall, but it's like the Great Commission should make people want to run through the yeah. wall and, and finding out what are those areas, what are those people groups, what is that? what are those countries that maybe have a passion. Maybe not every church has the uh, capacity at this point to send a team every single week or to send it to you know dozens of different countries, but starting with one, maybe there's a virtual team that you could start with. And, you know, we'd love to be a resource for people as well. Absolutely. And so if they uh, just email network at rivervalley.org, we want to get them connected with, uh, maybe there's love missionary to. partners, we can get them connected with you and your team. And just, just know that like, you know, it's a short podcast here to have this conversation, but the desire is that people would be missional. People would yeah. live on this. And we teach churches all over the world about missions, but it's because it's our heartbeat. It's because this is who we are. This isn't fake. You can, I mean, you can't give away the amount of money that we give. You can't send the amount of teams you we send if it wasn't a part of our DNA. Yeah. And so because of that core part of who we are, we want to help other churches. And so I, I don't know if you have any last thoughts where you'd say, hey, I want to just share this last thing to say churches encouraging them in missions or yeah. anything along the, those lines. Yeah, when, when you're saying this is this is who we are, it's part of our DNA. I remember a number of years ago sitting down with a, a really sharp guy that uh, helps churches tell their story a little better. He's in the marketing area and uh, we're sitting at a, a Panera, kind of a sandwich coffee shop uh, with your dad and this marketer. And, uh, and he said, okay, I get it. As a lead pastor, you're passionate about everything. You want, you know, worship to be good. You want uh, women's ministry to be good. You want men's ministry. You want kids. You want youth. You want it all to be important. It all matters, right? And, and it does. He said, but what I'm trying to understand is how important is this great commission, this missions thing for you as the leader of this organization and this church and, uh, and, and your dad, who's not typically at a loss for words, kind of stammered for a second or two. And then he just kind of put his fist down on the table pretty firmly and said, our heart is global. If you tear out our heart, you're going to see our heart beat for the world. And to me, that is one example that it's not just, and here's the, it's not just your dad's heart. It's God's heart. Mm. I mean, the most well-known verse in all of scriptures for God so loved the world that he was willing to give his son. Yeah. Like when, when that comes alive in your heart, your heart is aligned with God's heart. And when your heart is aligned with God's heart, the fullness of life comes about and, and it's, there's just no greater joy. There's no greater mission. There's gro no greater purpose. And when we as leaders and pastors get to open people's eyes and ears and hearts to this great commission, and they get to actually be a part of it, and it's no longer just somebody else's story, but it becomes part of their story. It changes everything. Yeah. I, I tell this story like when you have your own kid, like it's no longer somebody else's kid. It's your kid. You take a bullet for your kid in a yeah. heartbeat because it's not somebody else's, it's yours. And when this great commission gets into your heart and it's not the missionary story, it's not that church's story. It's not, it's your story. It's your heart. Um, it, 
because it's God's heart. It, it changes everything. And so um, you're absolutely right, Logan. Like anything we can do to help other churches with resources, with, with vision, with encouragement, with connections, relationships, uh, we haven't copyrighted anything. Yeah. I don't think we're planning to. I don't know, yeah. but we want to share it, yeah. and uh, and and that's our, that's our heart is we want to help others um, participate in this great commission. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think we can say it any better than that. But uh, I'm excited to hear more from churches that are you know implementing you know things, being missional, doing virtual teams, yeah. trying out new things. But uh, ultimately, it's the heart of God. And so, Pastor Justin, thanks so much for being here today. It's an we're honor. Excited. Yeah. Thanks.